You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Greg Hectus. The iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Back from holiday travels. Nick Williams. Hello. Will Gibson. How's everyone doing tonight? And our special guest, Raja, Ra, Raja Karuth. Sorry, Raja. How y'all doing tonight? Thank y'all for having me on. Greg is carrying the torch very well today. I'm just going to call him Ron here on out. That sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for everyone for coming. Um, the uh, Raj uh, is a drive for diversity uh, driver for the NASCAR series. Uh, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about that uh what the Drive Diversity program is and how you got started with it? Sure, yeah. So uh, Drive for Diversity is an initiative NASCAR has had for, I think, over 10 years now. Um, and so it, it gives opportunities not just to drivers, but to big members and people looking to get into the industry as well, um, like college interns, for example, to uh, get into to NASCAR from areas that, you know, they, they wouldn't have access to it. Um, and, and me being able to, to run with their youth program and now their regular developmental program this year, uh, being from D.C. and not really having too many racing outlets, um, that's kind of the things they do to try to uh, tap into different areas and discover talent and other, you know, people interested in the sport um, that aren't from, you know, your usual areas. Okay, and uh, what type of racing uh, are you doing through that program? Um, last year I ran a Legend Car in the Bojangles Summer Shootout and the Fall Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, and this year I'll be doing the same thing along with, uh, schedule in a uh, late model stock in the NASCAR Wheel and All American Series, um, and yeah. So you're you're signed up for the second year for the uh, Drive for Diversity program. I see here too. Yes, sir. Yeah, 2020 uh, late model and legend car. How many races does that get you in the season? Like, or to, to do? How many are you planning on doing? Um, I think. Well, we don't have the late model schedule done yet, but for legend cars, um, probably in addition to the shootout, I believe five. Uh, extra races, if not more, um, outside of Drive for Diversity. Um, I'll definitely want to run some more. And um, for the late model schedule, we're not uh, done yet in terms of um, like scheduling it. Um, but I would th- definitely think, like in total, um, upwards of, of 20 total races of co- over in addition to um, the Legend Car. Um, like in as in total, um, 20 plus uh, with Legend Car and late model. Okay, and. Uh... You also, uh, in 2018, I believe you participated in the um, Ignite series, uh, finishing in, what, 20th position? Yeah, 20th. Um, yeah, at 20th point. And uh, we were talking uh, here, you started in June of 2018 as an iRacer. How, because uh, that Ignite series would have started right around then. How did you get into it so quickly? Yeah, literally this, like, two days before. But um, I had known about iRacing for, since, like, 2015, 2016, um, because I would watch like Jeff Fabiano play it on YouTube or race on there on YouTube, and uh, I would just watch it while I was playing NASCAR 15, and I always talked about it with my dad, thinking that that would be the next step, um, and and eventually we did some little crowdfunding to be able to get a wheel and a computer later that summer to be able to run it, because originally I ran it on a MacBook with boot camp, so you can imagine how hard that was, but. Um, it wasn't too bad just because of, of the people that I had raced with on PS3 before. 
um, had jumped into iRacing, so I got a little help from them in terms of um, learning, like figuring out for myself on um, kind of similar questions that I would have. Okay, so searching through uh, your stats for uh, your year and a half that you've been around for uh, iRacing, um, you have over a thousand oval starts in general uh, with an 8% winning rate um, and a 40% top five rate. And you're obviously in Division One, running uh, 4.5. You have 4.5 I rating or KI rating, um, so you're doing pretty well, um, racing there. Um, what what made you choose I racing over other sims? I really thought that, uh, and it was pretty pretty good timing, I think, too, just because around in 2018 they had announced Ignite. I think the end of May, and then that was after I went to the, to the All Star weekend, and so. Um, I was looking at, I looked at a set of Corsa briefly, but um, iRacing just seemed like the best just because of uh, the different things that they were able to do. Like seeing the Peak Series take off last year, um, that was kind of the, the, me and my dad and I sat down and pinpointed that um, this was the best bet to, to put funds and um, like framework into running on here just because it just seemed the best. And it's the best in the business. Now, did you have, obviously being part of the Drive Diverse program, did you have a background before that, obviously, in racing? Like, did it? Um, did you have some, like, small funding to start up doing that stuff beforehand? Uh, not really. Um, the only thing I had done before was in the summer of 2017, I had raced at Autobahn Indoor Speedway, um, which was just indoor karting for the summer. I did a little summer league there. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have any background. Like, I would go to races as a fan, um, but I didn't really have any, any background in racing. Okay, because the reason I was just asking that is, now that you've obviously got some legend time in and uh, some other uh, late models and stuff, how do you feel that that translates to driving um, the cars in iRacing and the, the way the sim feels with those cars? And, and and does it change over the last little bit that they've added the new tire model and things like that in? Um, there's at first, um, I couldn't really see a translation just because I was so like new to racing like real life, um, but especially like towards the end of the summer and when I started running um, in, at the 5th mile, which is the other track at Charlotte North Speedway that Legends race on, um, I definitely saw a lot of, of similarities, not not in the, or in addition to racecraft, um, in terms of just how, like kind of how on in the iRacing Legend car, like if you, if you touch somebody with them, you're kind of going to, you know, die. But um, it there are a lot of similarities um, in terms of kind of if you, if you buzz your right rear it's gonna really hurt you um especially with the legend stuff um the races aren't that long so if you heat up your right rear and like five laps in even though that that tire is so hard if you get it hot then that's not going to be good for you because you're still going to be lacking you know grip um but th there's a lot of different things that's translated um from from i racing to especially with the late model as well um running the monte carlo on there in preparation for the combine at new Smyrna. Um, it was really helpful, um, just because of I, I've never been there before, and so to learn the line and learn um, how that late model drives, um, it, it was it was pretty spot on compared to um, what it actually felt like. Yeah, because I've always been interested to to know, because obviously your limited experience behind these or the wheel of some of these cars, getting used to the real life and and having the sim to try and you know catch you up kind of thing and get at least get some seat time, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like like. What you alluded to earlier with having like over a thousand starts in a year and a half, um, I would just I'm just on here all the time. 
um, doing get my schoolwork done, and then so I could just be on here till like ten, eleven o'clock at night, even on school nights. Do you feel like you learn more in uh, race conditions compared to practice? Uh, on sim or in real life? Uh, sim. Uh, definitely in race condition, just because of I, I've moved over to more open stuff towards the end of this year, but um, beginning of this year, towards like throughout the summer, I would run a lot of the fixed stuff. Um, and that really helped me because I would be in races with like Willie Gray, Eric Smith, Zach Novak, Jimmy Mullis, Ryla Pratt, you know, th- those guys that are really, really good. Um, and just to learn kind of to, to know who you're racing around and uh, different things. Like, for example, Garrison Hogan helped me out a lot in terms of just getting used to it. Um, and the difference between hot lap and good and like being able to race. Um, but definitely races more than practices helped me out. Um, just because there's, there's only so many things you can do. Uh, that'll help prepare you for the real life stuff, but um, it, it's really helpful. Okay, keep it on the uh, sim part here. Um, what type of hardware do you run? Like wheels, pedals? Um, do you have triples? You use VR? What uh, what kind of setup do you use for for your sim? So uh, currently, I have a uh, Logitech G920 wheel, uh, Thrustmaster T3PA pedals, and then the Thrustmaster H pattern. I forgot the name of it. Um, and then I'm on a desk right now, and one, I just have one uh, monitor that's probably like 20 inches, I want to say. Um, and that's really it. And a wood chair and a regular headset. It's pretty cool. And um, are you using any third-party software like uh, Sim apps or anything like that? Uh, no, not yet. Um, some of that stuff seems really cool, but um, I think... If, for example, if I run the Roto Pro in 2021, um, then I'll probably start looking into that. But uh, for now, I don't really use any add-ons, just looking at lap times and just looking at onboard. Um, do you run any uh, any leagues uh, besides anything that's not uh, any of the op- or series that are part of Iris and you run any leagues? Yeah, so right now I'm in the Sim 500 Interstate Batteries JGR League. Um, I run in Laura, which is Joseph Lombard's league from time to time. Um, I ran a North Force uh, Valhalla Cup Series race a while ago. Um, a while ago, like a couple weeks ago. Um, and there's some more that I'm really looking into. For example, Podium Esports. Um, I did a couple of their uh, multi-class oval races um, back in September, I believe. Um, and then they have a Speed Weeks thing coming up that I'm going to do. Um, but that's all for now. But... I thought this winter was, was a really good chance for me to get into some uh, unofficial league stuff. Um, and, and doing the Sim 500 thing, for example, has been really cool just because of the different people that you don't, you don't really see in official races and um, kind of how people run those. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Do you, uh, obviously, you've uh, got a DI rating and stuff has started coming, showing up and uh, you're racing a lot. Do you plan on trying to qualify at some point for the eNASCAR, E-NASCAR series or... Uh, try and go for the pro and do the the road to pro and pro series. Um, I originally wanted to do it this year, um, but I missed the first two weeks and then I got a little bit behind. So I was around like 60th in points entering the summer, and then the summer shootout came. So, um, I chose that over over running road to pro. So I, I definitely wanted to try to do that. Um, because I'm pretty sure, other than um Timmy Hill, I don't think anybody has run in like a top national NASCAR national series and been in peak at the same time. So that's kind of a goal I have for myself in the years to come. But um, I definitely want to run Road to Pro in, I would say, 2021, 22. Um, but yeah. 
So it's come to our attention as well. The social media guru Rev Racing, uh, Don, is it Dante Graves said? Uh, yes, Dante. <laughs> one of his goals this year is to get all the drive, uh, the drive for diversity, uh, verified on Twitter. Um, we're gonna put the challenge out there. Do you think he'll uh, get everyone verified before the end of the year? Yeah, that's that. Like that, that's definitely something Dante could do. Um, he he's great at what he does, and I'm um, keeping me in check and. He could definitely get that. I would say he could get that by May or June. I don't know about my account, but definitely the Rev accounts. I think he can get them verified sooner than later. Um, now, racing on Irishing, you have a lot of races started. Um, thinking back, what has been up to this point your most memorable moment? Good or bad, or both? Could be both, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I have, this isn't really that big of a deal, but. Um, I guess a couple weeks ago, before the Snowball Showdown, um, I jumped into a late, or super late model session at New, or I was about to say New Super Center, uh, Pensacola, and I saw Dale Jr. in there, and then I talked to him for a little bit. That was pretty cool. Um, but there's a lot of cool moments I've had uh, running like top five with in a random Apex with like Ray Fallon and Malik, and you know <laughs> the guys of that caliber. Um, those are some really cool mo- moments I've had. Um, I have some cool NIS wins too, but haven't got that top split win yet. But um, hopefully, uh, well, to answer your question, my fault. Um, I, I have had a couple great moments, um, especially in that practice with Dale Jr. Um, winning uh, the Phoenix NIS and second split in uh, November. That was pretty fun too. Um, and just and and Homestead top split NIS as well, um, running. Top five with Ryan Coon, Malik Gray, and uh, King Cook. Um, that's that's ranked up right in my heart as well. Okay, yeah, like having Dale Jr. I've I've heard from a lot of people. You see all the forms posts and stuff. Is I had a moment with Jail Jr. and things like that. It, it's having him on the sim and and, and any of the other uh, actual professional drivers. You know, seems to be you know top moments for a lot of people. So it's good to hear that you know you had a positive moment talking with him as well. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool just because I know he used to run late model stocks back in the day. So, um, and legend cars. So to talk to him a little bit about that, um, it was pretty surreal to be honest with you. And Dale Earnhardt's been doing a lot of uh, a lot of work in the last little while, so it's good for iRacing, and it's good to see that he's uh, backing up by showing up a lot. So, um, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you, um, get a hold of you, or anything like that? Uh, well, you could just. Send me a message on iRacing, or uh, uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat. Um, just look look up my name, I guess. Um, I, I just approach me, and I'll I'll be at a probably five, ten like big national uh, national touring series events uh, for NASCAR in 2020, like the 500, uh, Martinsville Fall, Bristol Fall, um, and a couple other ones as well. So um, I'm on basically all social media. Um, and, and also Rev website and my website as well. Okay, and you were mentioning before the podcast that you had uh, an exciting announcement for 2020 for iRacing for you. Yeah, so I uh, literally a couple hours ago just got a webcam, and so um, we get <coughs> I will be getting an overlay done soon. Um, so I'll be streaming on Twitch full-time next year. I'm not sure which race is for, possibly NIS or just you know a random uh, AFIX like the the... SOF A fixed um, on Monday nights, um, or league races. Uh, but for 2020, 
I'll be streaming a lot. Um, and now it seems kind of not like a big deal, but um, that was, I guess, the announcement. Well, it's going to be exciting, you know, if uh, you're working your way up and uh, racing a lot. Uh, it's good to have it. David and I stream a lot, so we we understand, uh, you know, what it's like to put yourself out there as well, to so everybody can watch you as well. Yes, sir. Okay, so, um, Raj, you said you're going to stay and uh, discuss with us. This The podcast is a little bit different this week. We're not going to be going straight into a discussion about topics. Our topics for this week is or this this show in the special is going to be the you know 2019 in general what what was 2019 like for for all of us we got some of us from the irishers lounge podcast here to to discuss how we saw 2019 through the builds through our own racing and um we're gonna we're gonna kind of categorically go through the builds to see how uh 2019 went but um i'm gonna go through you guys what do you guys find your feeling of 2019 is uh, in, in how you felt going from the beginning of the season to where it is right now? David, well, I'll start I, with you. Yeah, I feel like um, I definitely hit a new level on uh, NIS, picking up my first two wins in the season. And um, I uh, this new package, it took us a while to learn it and how to get around it. There's some things that are challenging about this package, but when you in the open setup races, you also – actually can gain a little bit from being set up for the long run uh so i actually did appreciate that a little bit um i felt like the nis was believe it or not a little cleaner this year compared to 2018 even though we were in these tight packages now there were some races that were definitely crazy caution fest but but it, it was a little it was a little bit easier uh continue to bounce around from team to team searching for uh road races in the endurance races uh and I know we're running, we've already kind of got our plans set up to run the 24 this hour. But, uh, you know, it's definitely been a season of highs and lows. Uh, I spent a good chunk of the summer not being able to talk in the sim. And uh, I've learned my lesson from that. And, uh, you know, just try to basically bite my tongue anytime I get involved in incidents now. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting summer with uh, you having no chat for a little while there. Um, but, uh, you made it through it and, you know, sometimes those things are needed to, you know, to learn or just to, to help you get through, to figure out what to do the next time. Nick, I know you've been only on the sim for about three quarters of the year. I think it is. Um, what has your perspective of this year been for you? Well, obviously everything's a new experience. So, um, but it's everything I thought it would be. You know, coming into iRacing, I'd, I'd watched the Peak Series the last couple of years, and I'd followed some of the drivers, and um, I always wanted it, you know, to see if I could use it to make my racing career better, and comparing my finishes and my real racing from before iRacing to now, I've become more consistent, and, and it's just been, this season's been the best season of my life for racing you know I, I got off console racing and i got on here and i'm starting to actually understand things and you learn new racecraft and the racers on here are more competitive than anything you're going to go up against um sometimes i feel like the competitiveness on here is worse than that of what i you know face on a friday or saturday night at the real short track so it's it's just been a great year for learning and uh, i look forward to see how it's going to continue with next year 
And Will, um, I know that this year's went on and off for you, um, but you've been around for a while. Seeing these, uh, the builds and 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 the way that things have built up this year, how do you feel? Uh, 2019 was for you. Uh, I think you said it best. It was kind of on and off. Um, I had a lot of good personal stuff going on. Um, I believe 2018 that kind of required my attention to kind of come away from sim racing and. As it kind of came back, I've enjoyed it, and uh, now I got some good plans for next year and actual goals set. I think that's a, a big thing to just race on here for fun's one thing, but to really kind of get the most out of iRacing, I think you really got to set yourself goals and um, milestones you want to achieve and hit because it is very, very competitive, and uh, you're never going to hop in and just win races on here just having fun. I mean, you can if you're really, really good, but... It's a great tool to kind of improve your mental prowess and driving ability. And uh, I think 2018 or 2019 for iRacing as a whole was a big year. We had a lot of big updates I know we'll talk about here shortly. Um, when I first started, I first started when Dirt rolled out and came in and had a ton of fun. It was way better than any Simcade or anything I'd done in the past. And uh, I got to a point where it was just not becoming as much fun. And that's because I don't think I was getting the most out of iRacing and the time I took away and really kind of got to stand back and watch and kind of look at iRacing in a different perspective. I'm really ready for 2020. I think it's going to be a good year. And I think 2019 was a good year to kind of adapt, learn and watch. And especially with you guys having all the success you had as a team, um, that was cool to just be a part of even by say osmosis. Well, and I think, I think as a team with our success, we're only as good as the guys that are part of this team. Like our success only feels like it's something that's, you know, worth sharing because it's through, you know, all of us, you know, when Dave, David won his first race as an NIS, you know, that was the biggest, you know, monkey to get off his back. Um, you know, adding Nick into this team, Mike has got more wins, uh, than this year in NIS than he ever had. I have more wins in NIS than I ever had. Um, so it, I agree with you. That's, it, it's a good way to look at 20, 2019 is, is our team has gone through some highs and lows, but as a team, it was good to share it with. Um, now Raj, what, um, what do you think your, uh, 2019 shaped out to be by the end of the year? And, and what do you see at, uh, as your, what, what defines your 2019? Um, I think my 2019, it's been weird. Um, <clears throat> starting off the year, um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, I'll say that, um, in terms of just having speed but not racecraft. Um, and then as the year got, went on, you know, racing with higher SOS and, and better people, um, I really, you know, got my butt handed to me and, and was able to learn a lot. Um, but I think one of the biggest defining moments I think of, of this year was, Probably in uh, last uh, or the last week of NIS at, at Homestead, I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, although with the with the cup cars now, it's kind of you manipulate other people's cars, and it's not necessarily if you're you're quicker or not. It's just um, if you predict their lines, you know, taking their air off and stuff. Um, but being able to to run smart and and running running good smart races like Kansas, I, I was running up front in top Talladega and Martinsville and and Phoenix towards the end of the year I kind of figured out that 
Um, you got to put yourself in the right positions. You can't have stupid pit road penalties. You can't, you know, fence it early and, and have damage and set you back. Um, overall, just learning, you know, the different things you have to do to put yourself in a position, position to run well. Um, but overall, uh, my 2019, I think, on the sim side was pretty solid. Although I, I've been no higher than a 48 since, like, May. And it's been really, really annoying because um, I said I wanted to get to a 6K by December, and I'm at a 45 right now. So um, overall, I think this 2019 was a, a big learning year. Um, but it, it, it's awesome. Um, a lot of people to thank, and um, it's, it's just one of those great things. Yeah, you said something there um, that I think David and I can relate to, and probably all of us can relate to, but there's always that number that you, you seem to can't get by for a little while. Like once you get past it, you feel like you can just keep going, but there's a number that you hit and it knocks you down and back and forth each time for a while just to, you know, I don't know if it's just evening you out uh, to get... Um, uh, to get experience or just to test you, but there, you know, I think 2200 was mine for a while there. I, I bounced around on it. I think David, you're around the 3000 mark where you're bouncing around and, and, and once you get past it, it feels, it feels a lot better and you can seem like you can just start moving up, but there's always a number that seems to always get at you for a little while. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, and right around May, um, it, I, Right before Coke 600 week, um, because I remember I was grinding Apex at Iowa and I got up to a 48. I was like, okay, it's pretty straightforward. I should be able to get 5K by summer. Nope. I went all the way down to a 3 by Sonoma and then down back to like a 39 around Talladega week again in the fall. Um, but like you said, it, it was I would get to like a 45, 47 and then just... Uh, landslide, landslide, and down to the 42, 40, 38. Um, but, I mean, that's part of it, you know? Yeah, it feels like in iRacing more so than anything else I've ever done, there's there's always somebody faster. No matter how hard you work to get your lap time quick enough to kind of push yourself past that next stage of iRating, you log into a race and there's just somebody out there who's way faster than you. And uh, it's uh, very humbling sometimes, no matter how hard you work. There, there's always more pace to be found for sure. Exactly. Yeah, and and I found this probably one of my most difficult years. I'll I'll call 2019 my most difficult years to I'll define it that way because it's my transition. 2019 was my transition into from I worked nights for eight years straight in my job, and I moved to days thinking it would be a lot easier to just get on the sim and do more. Well, that didn't happen when you're working at you know 4 a.m. in the morning and you got to get up. And the NIS races are 9 p.m. at night and don't finish till 11 or 12. And plus, I drive for a living, so it 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 can be difficult. But I found it was my most like my least amount of starts for a 20 like a, a full season uh, of racing. Um, but it was probably my best results over an average amount of racing. Um, I I felt competitive prom probably I don't know maybe 30 out of the 36 weeks or maybe more than that. Um, and for me, uh, the biggest part was 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 finding time for the sim. 2019 for me felt like it was um, all about time management, and I couldn't always get on the what times that I wanted to and. Um, but with that, I learned, I learned to make more of 
what I was racing than than how many things I was how many times I was racing. So uh, I got a lot of uh, good results, but you know, could it have been better maybe if I paid more attention doing a lot of things? Yeah, but you know, what else would I have neglected in my life? So I don't regret anything in 2019. Um, I hope 2020 is a bit different, but uh, I just know that 2019 was a, a low start year. Um, but I'll take it for what it was. Um, and, and enjoying this race team, racing with it was the better part of it, uh, no matter how many races I got. Um, so that's where 2019 will be left for me is, is, is this race team is, is more in, is the more place where I get the enjoyment out of it than, than a lot of just racing. I, I, this, this team is a very, very opinionated team, but it's also very uh, great to be part of all the time and, and to do all these shows and things like that. Um, I'm, I feel blessed that we get to, you know, share our stories with people. So, um, with that, I think we should probably go into just highlighting what 2019 meant to us uh, build-wise because I find that this was obviously each year is going to get stronger and stronger. So we're going to go through each part of the build here, just talk about how the how the seasons built up as we went. And um, how about we start off here? Will, do you want to start off with the season one part of build of 2019 and kind of we'll talk through it and, and feel how from each build they built up? Yeah, I think uh, 2019, there was a lot of growth throughout each build. Uh, we're going to start with the Season 1 build, which would have came December of 2018. But uh, a couple things we got in that build, um, day-to-night um, transitions. We got two Formula cars in the Dallara F3 and the Formula Renault 3.5. We got the much-anticipated Roval. Um, I know that was a, a big thing. Uh, Sakuba, if you guys played any Gran Turismo, you'll know that track. We got that, which I think was yeah. a, a great addition to the sim. Um, I don't think anybody expected it, anybody asked for it, but I think we all enjoy that track. Um, there was some uh, updates to the beta UI um, as far as the home and leagues go. And then there was just some like, quality of life stuff. We got the new crowd system, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was just less work on our system. So... Uh, Let's hit to frame rate. Um, we got new controls and updates for the force feedback settings, which was great for anyone using a direct drive wheel, which 2019 was a big year for direct drives. And uh, we were allowed to do brake bias adjustments for a lot of the cars in the fixed setups, which was, uh, I think, a lot of people were looking at. So overall, um, you guys as a team, um, what, did the, what stood out in this build to you guys? Was there anything that was uh, very, um, how do I word this? Uh-huh. What was the most significant item in this build, do you guys feel? I don't think there's any question that it was the day and night transition. Well, and I think for the day and night, because they rolled that out to try and make the or to make the 24 hours of Daytona. And I, I, I remember running the 24 hours of Daytona in the dark and in, in, in the sunset and the sunrise and, and just how well it worked, you know, you know they do had pro- they did have problems with servers and things like that when they ran that part of it, but the actual day to night time transition part worked the way it was supposed to. Like it, it is probably one of the if you have to list uh, you know a top five of things in 2019, I would be one of the top five most significant updates to iRacing. It almost I was gonna say it almost felt like 
it, it's been we've had it longer than a year. I feel like it feels like something that's been around forever because it works so seamlessly and smooth, and it's just hard to believe that they didn't have that sooner. Um, I ran my first Daytona 24 with the team in uh, 2018, and it was nighttime the whole way through, and it was still a fun race, but that kind of took away from it. And uh, I didn't race in the uh, 2019 uh, Daytona 24, but just watching you guys run and seeing that transition from day to night was definitely a game changer as far as just the emotion you feel after a long stint and you guys have been up for so many hours and you finally see that day daylight kind of shine through and it's just you're almost the end it's a it's just hard to believe iRacing didn't have that prior to the 2019 season some of these tracks they transform so much at night Uh, uh, a lot of people actually really struggled finding their breaking points at Le Mans without it being lit up like it used to be well and I think I think the biggest thing was is that day night transition also gives changes your habit as a driver so you know if you're in darker day the whole time you don't have the sensation of time you have the sensation of time being sitting in your sim for a while but you don't have something changing the atmosphere and i feel that that changes how someone's perspective on a race would change so you know a little glare from the way the sunset hits the car or the sun is hitting the car when you go into a corner that wouldn't be there on just like, you know, 2018, like um, Will was saying, could screw you up going to this corner and, you know, end your race. Like it's something that's, it's another thing you have to fight against to do. And that was the first time we'd ever see the sun actually hit the track from a lower angle and the the colors and hues that would come off the track and around sunset sunrise were amazing at sebring the sun sets right in the path of of the the backstretch and it's it's just if it's a especially when it's a cloudy day but the sun's still kind of cutting through the clouds it's 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 you know you're not really always trying to look at the scenery but that's one of those moments where you could actually kind of look up and just kind of feel amazed i said the same thing when you're uh coming back on to the the nascar oval at the daytona 24 and the sun's rising and when it's like a heavy clouded day and you could tell you're at the beach just by how many clouds there are and the way the sun looks it just adds so much more to the sim as far as personality of each track and just how they feel well and it also gave us the the anticipation like that that's the the pinnacle start to how we're going to race you know as us as a team Tafosi, we're oval guys mostly. So that's going to change. That basically changes how we look at perspective of all the tracks that we're going to race at because they're going to have transitions. Some of them are going to transition into night. Some of them are just going to transition into later afternoon. And and it just gave the whole sim a whole new look on, you know, I think I remember looking at the hosted session, the amount of rooms that went up that first night that had transitions in it that we're at what set times four just to try and get all the um all the cycles as fast as they could like that's that's what the anticipation was all about for doing that and i think yes it took them a while to do it but once again iRacing if they don't if it's not right they don't rate they don't release it until they know it's something that they can work with and that isn't going to be broken and and they did a perfect time waiting as long as they did with it. I know they wanted to get it out for Lamar the year before, 
but they look they they did a perfect job waiting till 2019 to do it. They did it the right way. Exactly, and I, and and I think it was a great way to start 2019 for everything. It it, it just it, it was the perfect start to what NIS needed. All the road series needed it um, for it, and and I think nothing other other sims or games try it but don't transition it as well as I feel that iRacing has done it. So for me, I, I think probably I would put that at the number one significant thing that they've done in 2019 was that was the day night. So, which for me, we sh- would move us into season two build, which they would have something to, you know, live up to obviously with having that. And, uh, so David, do you want to go over the season two build here and, and we'll see if there's anything that out of that, that we feel that changed, um, changed the sim for the better as well. Well, you would think how, I mean, even though we do think the uh, day night transition is a biggie, there's some biggies in the season two as well. Um, they did some engine model enhancements and you can now stall the engines. Uh, a lot of us who were not used to hearing their engine stall, uh, ended up losing some positions for a while until we just said, forget the realism and turn that feature back off. Uh Uh, we had a high dam. We had they added high dynamic, high dynamic range rendering. I don't use that on the VR, but some guys really like that look. We had a new BMW GTE car brought in the M8. Um, there were some updates for the 2019. Well, they brought in the new package. I guess is, is actually what that headers mean. They they brought in the new Aero package, and it was really interesting to see how a lot of our races ran almost the same way as as the real. Bo- Real boys did, um, but the biggie I think uh, the V7 tire model was abled on the Skip Barbula, Skip or Skip Barbula, Skip Barber Formula 2000 car. We also brought in um, six new configurations for Charlotte, uh, and the Nuremberg Night Mode preview. Um, I guess they did not have the lights all quite in position for Nuremberg, and they continued to make some enhancements and upgrades to the beta interface now obviously we see that this is they as we call it it, a light content build there's a car there was updates the thing um when you look back at this uh build it's light on content but they did a lot of quality of life features adjustments and i know i know the sim when they did the day night transitions and stuff like that there was a lot of loads put on a lot of computers and systems like that so i think the second season build was to alleviate some of that uh and help um not put more stresses on the system and and just streamline it so what do you guys think of season two build um and what stands out there um to you guys for for what the most significant thing for that build was so well for me personally so the engine, the um, engine song that was still season two build, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was for me personally. Um, that was really helpful just because it it got me in the habit of you know you don't just hop into the car and the the motor's already on you know you gotta you gotta turn it off shut it off on our cautions and coast and so um that was really cool for me just because it added a different element that not only you could worry about but you could use to your advantage you know um not or I guess people do it now but Nobody really thought of okay, turning off the car and letting it close up to caution to save fuel, or just not having the habit of 
uh, doing in a, for example, a league race broadcast, having an actual command generally start your engines, you know, and um, being able to stall it and, you know, lose time on pit road. Um, I thought that was really big just because it, it added another element to manage. I would say you as a real-life racer, and Nick could probably account to this as well, is you guys being able to stall the car, that's something you guys have to face in real life. And by being able to add it to the sim, it might be something that may be a performance disadvantage overall if you stall it. It's something you have to worry about in real life, and I think having that there is a, a good tool to have on for you guys um, to be prepared for something like that. Because I'm sure the first time you took off in a late model, it probably wasn't uh, just sending it and hit the gas pedal. There's a lot more going on there, and it's just good muscle memory and things to do and just get used to that rather than it just be sit down and step on the gas. Yeah, my first time in a legend car, I uh, probably stalled it like 12 times um, before I actually got on the track. So um, it was really helpful <laughs> just to uh, get in that habit. Like you were saying, we'll just don't just sit in the cop in and just go. Yeah, the real-life clutch in a, in a race car is so much – I don't remember which way you would describe the setting, but it's so much harder to get into gear than a regular – clutch car i mean i've driven i've driven stick shifts and i stalled the late model that i drove at memphis quite a few times wasn't a clutch in most race cars built like because the springs are so stiff to to hold the pre against pressure plate it'd be like an on off switch almost you're either on or you're off yeah so for me looking at this obviously the big significant thing that you know over the whole time is obviously the the, the tire model being enabled on the skip barber I, I obviously that raised that Skip Barber to one of the um, most used cars, but it also the nice thing that them releasing it as a beta basically on some of these on a, on a, on a car is they got to find a lot of the problems you know quickly like a lot of um, a lot of things were found out about it like uh, I think what was it one if you burned it did a burnout or something um, if I remember correctly if you did a burnout or something with that car. You get extra super grip if you had. Uh, there was just these little things that everybody was finding something as an advantage, and I, and, and though that's where I think iRacing did the right thing in in slowly feeding it to us, not throwing it on everything, or throating on majority of things, and and ruining the possibility of ruining all kinds of series and things like that. And I know they got to be careful with releasing that tire model because they got all these different series going on that are for actual monies and sponsorships and things like that. So they got to be careful with it. Um, but I believe for me, the most significant thing in the two season two build is that NASCAR update for the aero package. It, it literally changed the way NIS racing has, uh, was raced this whole season. Obviously it changed how NASCAR was raced in general in 2019, but you don't have that, heavy high port horsepower feeling stock car um that can't get off the corner without you know getting loose or anything more or you, you get loose or anything off the corner anymore you're 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 downforce now you're you got a lot on the front of it if there's somebody in front of you you lose the downforce and and i believe that that was the most significant change to the oval side whereas the tire model was to help out the roadside and, and it was their was their thing but the oval the oval series is were forever changed for the NIS side when they put that aero package on it. And I want to say tightened up the field, but also 
made the racing a lot more. Um, I think uh, Raj, you said that um, you now have to be more tact. That you have to have ta- come up with a tactic racing against the person. You have to come up with figuring out where they're running and things like that. It changed how you run instead of just having a good setup and being the guy that can get off the corner and get to the next corner before somebody. And good or bad, that package has is here to stay, obviously, for at least another year. Mm-hmm. And that horsepower package will probably be here forever. But I believe... I don't know if it contributed to more wins for me or anything like that or um, anybody in general, but for me, it was a different... It was a different way to attack the car. I, I liked the way we had extra horsepower, but when you when it, they cut it out, it changed my whole mindset of racing. Yeah, definitely. Like you said <clears throat> a little bit there, there's it, it introduced a different type of racing. It had people that you know off pure speed wouldn't run top five, and it would give guys you know 15th to 25th a chance to run top five, and you know your fixed races. And um, I didn't run too much of the open stuff, so I wasn't really sure how. Uh, big of a change that it, it did for allowing um, people in terms of not having the best setup be able to run up front have the have that opportunity um, but for fit stuff it, it was really big just because it just it, it closed the paint playing field a little bit um, and it really allowed you to to control your destiny a lot of the time in some cases you couldn't do it at all if you yeah if you get what I'm saying I think it it was huge because they released it after I believe two races in the peak season as well. And that was a big shift for the peak and the pro level racing as well. Um, I know going into 2019, we had the, the draft and the hype with the teams getting involved in the NASCAR peak series. And uh, I know Ray Alfalo went out as the first draft pick. And I think some of the reason he had a rough year in the peak series is because there was such a big change to the car that even somebody with his experience and time in the sim it was a lot to a lot to learn has a lot of new it was um i think just a really big shift for the sim and i think they timed it very well with nascar as well with getting eyes onto peak because i feel like some of those peak races were very entertaining and very competitive to watch and it's not that they weren't competitive prior to this build it just completely shaked it up and the first winner in the new car at that level was Eric J. Smith, and he wasn't even a drafted driver at the time. It uh, it really changed things up, and uh, I think that kind of went unnoticed as the season went on because those guys adapted very well to it. But I feel like it changed the entire sim across the board, even all the way up to that high of a level. The other thing was is I think what was the first race they had it was California. Uh, yeah, they railed it on. So, you know, that was the first time you got to see it live on a broadcast. And you're right, Will, it, it, it probably it probably changed the dynamic of um, you know, not gonna say it changed the dynamic who was gonna win the championship, but it, it changed it made some guys that were really strong struggle and, and some guys that maybe weren't gonna be up there but that maybe were up there. It, it it changed every th- way of looking at um, how we race around people. It, it turned a lot of tracks that were, you know, could be runaway, boring races uh, into Talladega and Daytona type races for the most part, most races. And I believe 
I know David said he thought 2019 was maybe a more cleaner year. I believe 2019, from what I saw, had a lot of cautions. 2019, I was probably the year of the caution, I felt like. Um, a lot of races were over two, two and a half hours long. Um, it'd be interesting to see the data on how long the average NIS race went for, but um, it, it, it brought the field, brought people into races that probably, uh, you know, didn't have any time in the sim, could grab a setup and, and just jump in and compete. So was it good for the sim? Yeah, because it brought more people into the sim. Was it bad for the racing? Possibly, but... I believe every time every time something like this happens, we'll adapt, right? And um, we, as we were working on setups throughout the year, experienced some of the same things that that the peak drivers certainly did. There's an arms race anytime you have a big shakeup in the package on um, trying to find basically that that thing that you got to do to to run fast. And we found it as as we found it, a lot of people started to find it. Um, and I'm sure some of the the uh, peak guys had the same thing. I remember Ray being quoted as saying he was a little bit surprised how set-up dependent this car was. Well, and some of the setups, from what I've, I've heard, uh, some of those setups were very unconventional to what you think you would set up some of these cars like. So has that changed now that we're a little bit further into a tire mop build, which we'll talk to you about later? But it was... It definitely was not the same car. Like when you go to certain tracks, you expect to get loose off a corner like Texas. Texas was always turn two. You coming out of the corner and you were wrecking a lot of the time with all the horsepower. Now you come out of that corner like it's nothing most of the time. So I think I think if you want to define the season two build of 2019, it was about the change the oval series got to the racing, how, how it was done. That's that's how I would see it as. Yeah, definitely uh, similar to what you said in terms of changing, um, <clears throat> having the guys, the top five guys take a little bit to figure it out, and then the top 15, top 12, top 15 guys be able to run up front, especially, you know, in peak. Um, it, it, it mirrored real life a little bit in, in my eyes. I think, um, for example, if you look at, at Roush, um, a lot of times it gave race chances for Newman and Stenhouse to run top five, top ten. Um, and I, I don't really know too much about um, peak teams and stuff, but um, or I, I guess pro teams, excuse me. Um, and uh, it, it definitely just gave guys a chance that, you know, usually wouldn't. Um, but at the same time, like Ray said, um, a lot of times you it was so setup dependent that it, it didn't really, it kind of tied our hands behind our backs. Um, I guess you guys could allude to it um, in terms of the team stuff that you guys are doing. But, for example, at, at Kansas, I think, like, you, there's only so much you could do. Um, it was at first 10 laps, it would be a plate track, and then it's just single file. Um, and, yeah. Well, it was a good – it's funny. We, you know, we said that that wasn't much content build, but we had a long talk there about that build. So let's transition in three, which is mid-season of 2019 uh, build. Um this one had a lot of content and new things. Um, so, Nick, do you want to go through what we've uh, come got in Season 3 build? Yeah, Season 3. This might take a second here. Uh, some of the highlights included the Lucas Oil Off-Road Pro Trucks, the SK Modifieds, uh, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Chevrolet Silverados were updated. I think that was around, what, Texas? I mean, that threw me off quick. Um, I feel like the trucks were broken overnight. 
They updated the Monster Energy Cup. Actually, they switched it. Didn't they? It went from the Fusion to the Mustang, if I remember right. The NASCAR Wheeland Tour Modifieds got some updated. Uh, Silverstone Circuit, I'm assuming that was updated? I it, was, that was, no, it was a completely was it, new build. It was completely new. Yeah. And then Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park. I wasn't sure if that's updated or new. Wild West Motorsports Park as well. We had new iRacing beta interface application framework. Um, create a race wizard for the iRacing beta interface. Uh, paint shop and leagues iRacing beta interface revamp. Connectivity data for the iRacing beta interface. They added green-white checkers. Uh, spotter calls and translation upgrades. Fully animated flagman. Driving camera adjustments. Rendering improvements focused on headlights, lighting, and shadows. Motion blur effects. Starter ignition sounds for all vehicles. And Skip Far Barber Formula 2000 V7 tire adjustments. Yeah, and there was also at the bottom here, it's just cut out um, the night mode. Um, they added night for Chicago. Darlington and Homestead for to prepare for the rest of the season. So they had those all updated for the lighting. Now there's V7 adjustments we didn't really dive into too deeply into season two, but um, there was quite a few. There was actually a little bit of a controversy in the Skip Barber community as the tires, if you overdrove them, they were actually gaining grip. That uh, so that was a good thing about the soft tire rollout, what in that they worked on it with one car. And part of it was was happening because that older skip barber was such an old model that it was that the tire was behaving differently in some ways than they expected now this was a, a very content heavy um build but it added a new element um you know the most anticipated i think uh i think probably everyone on this team that first night was probably in one of those truck those off-road trucks on one of those two new courses um, trying it out. I think Will and I were in the same thing, trying it out for a couple hours there. Um, but it was it was an interesting addition to a, a build where we I you know they had talked about it. I never saw that this in the in the way that things were going. I didn't think that that would be anything in the sim in 2019 was have to have those trucks. Um, I'm not a huge truck um, off road truck follower. We don't follow that in Canada um, as much. But they it was such an awesome addition. The dirt side, I feel like, I think it's one of the nice or best things that they've added to help, you know, participation in the dirt side. Because um, the rally cars had, you know, a certain amount of participation from certain people, but not a create a bar part for it. So I think that helped bring more people in to try and um, raise your levels up for your safety rating and your eye rating and things like that. Um, it was nice to get some new circuits. Uh, the Mustang was probably the most anticipated change um, for the cup cars. Um, they needed to be relevant, uh, especially in the peak or the peak series this year. They need to be relevant for that pro series so that the when they were showing it on TV, it made sense to all their sponsors. Um, but I, I just find that there was these little tweaks, the tweaks as they're going with some of these builds. And they always had a nice little addition with a new car or um, or track or something like that that everybody wanted, and it helped. But one of the things that always caught my eye, and it changed our racing for the oval side, was the green-white checkers. Um, 
I think that first week that the green white checkers rolled out, I think I had two of them in my first two or three races in the NIS. Um, but that was a big change to become more relevant with it. The, the, you're, you're getting closer to authenticity in, in different series and it, it's great to get to that point. Um, and then they had more rendering improvements for headlights and shadowing, which was more of probably helping the computer people's systems process again. There's these little refinements that they do each time. And um, I find that those the systems have feel like they're getting less taxed the further they get into the year because they, they're getting better at doing this. So for me, that build looks like uh, is about new content over anything like significant change wise in the sim it was it was more of just adding more things for people to do uh, i'll let you go david sorry and that uh that green white checkered was a big big uh, change for all the oval racing um they made an adjustment in season four that we that we liked in, in season three it was three green white checkers for both the a's and the nis and then they dropped it to one on everything but but nis but uh no longer could you be basically five laps in and start thinking okay a caution and I, if you were leading you can't think anymore okay a caution and i win or maybe if one of my wrecked partners is is running around maybe he can get loose or something you know you had to there was no you just weren't guaranteed it and so it was definitely a game changer on uh strategy as well as how much fuel you had to take uh and most of those two lap shootouts were pretty exciting i would say if you got i uh i just felt like something was a little weird um looking back at it now there was a lot of hype for those off-road pro trucks we got two tracks we got the pro 2 and the pro 4 um it seemed like they really promoted the geico lucas oil partnership a lot and i feel like we just haven't seen that and i was really anticipating those off-road trucks kind of becoming the premier dirt road series and replacing the Rallycross World Championship with the off-road truck world championship. Um, I really feel like that's the route they were going or they were planning and something probably didn't pan out properly. Because I think those trucks would put on a much better show than the Rallycross cars do. I think the Rallycross cars are exciting for one, maybe two laps. And then it's just eight laps to follow each other in a line, especially when drivers are that good. But I really felt like when they announced this, that that was the route iRacing was taking is to make those off-road trucks be the premier series. And it just hasn't played out yet. I don't know if it's because we have a lack of tracks or something fell through with Lucas Oil and iRacing. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that, but it just feels like there's something missing there. I think this was great content to add, but I just feel like there's so much more they could do with it to improve that portion of the sim, the eSports side. I just feel like it's been missed. I don't know what you guys' thoughts were on that. Well, one of the one of the factors I think probably was only two tracks, and you can't really run any of the rally cross tracks or any any pavement tracks. I thought it would be a neat idea if they did turn them into stadium trucks as well, and just start throw some jumps on some of the some of the road road courses, you know, pavement road courses. Then another factor is if you if you remember that the fork. The Pro 4 was pretty easy to drive, but almost everybody was complaining that they just couldn't get around in that Pro 2 truck. And so it lost popularity really quick. I think that's what makes it exciting to watch is knowing it's hard to drive. I think if you put the right guys out there in those Pro 2 trucks, they put on a hell of a show and it, it just felt a little off. I mean, right now to get to the highest license, you do have to drive that Pro 2. 
but the world championship's still a rallycross car. Um, I'm thinking it is probably a lack of tracks. I know we have Camden coming up. They've announced that, and that will be something we'll look forward to in 2020. But just, uh, I don't know, I just thought you wonder what your guys' opinions were on that. I just feel like there's something left on the table there with those trucks that they just haven't really capitalized on yet. I think the biggest issue with them is, is, is their lack of content in general. There's the two trucks. There's only a couple tracks that were designed for them. Then they've kind of retrofitted them going on everything else with setups and things like that. But what hurt them was the fact that the rally side was probably hurting when they came in as well. Um, too, they, they they just didn't have um, the backing. You know, they're not a they're not a major. They're not a, 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 a the Lucas Oil brand. You know, it, it, it like the racing trucks. I, I recognize the series as that name, but it's not like you know, it's not like your Porsche Cup series that they you know that you see on TV. There's not like your um, Le Mans. It's or NASCAR or anything like that. They're what hurt them is is having a backing um, to push the content. And I think, I think I'm afraid that the, the dirt side in 2020 might take a back seat to some of these things, um, to get improvement wise, because there hasn't been any backing. They've lost sponsorships. They've lost, um, you know, actual sponsors for racing in general for rally in the States have been lost their sponsorship. So I think that hurts them in getting, um, more recognition out there. If in the Europe, in Europe and stuff like that, I know it's a bit, a bit bigger and it there's more of a backing for this type of racing, but I just feel that in North America, it's a lot harder to sell this content when you don't have something to, 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 to watch it for. Like you don't, uh, there's nothing to attach yourself to. And as you mentioned, the real Rallycross series is, has folded. So it's just not a big sport in America. It has not picked up as well as it has in Europe. It's really hard to be a motorsport in, in the American economy nowadays. It's, you know, IndyCar, IMSA, and NASCAR suck so much out of it. And then Formula One is all European-based. And, and all those other things are all those other European-based racing. I think they get a little bit more attention over there than whereas we're so focused on the other types of sporting in North America rather than the motorsports part of sports. And, and it's just a little bit more difficult to have smaller series like that. That and the business model has changed so so much that it's it's harder to finance it. Well, and I think that's where in 2020 and further on, esports might become more of a, you know, it might become more of a, a lead in some of these things, especially if, if the peak does what they want to do and be broadcasted and things like that, that stuff there, it's cheaper to do a sponsorship on a car that you don't have to pay for when it's wrecked or things like that. It's easier just to pay somebody to drive something or show something on a screen that doesn't cost that much. And I have a feeling, I don't know if that's where things are going. For me, I feel that esports is going to explode here in motorsports wise in the next couple of years, but um, I could be wrong on that, but it, it feels like it's just going to blow up a lot more because of the cost certainty. So with that, we're, I, I feel that, you know, I, I think that uh, we kind of agree there that this was more of a content addition build um, and, and some cleanup of the last build for it. Because going into season four, 
I think we were all anticipating something, you know, things coming out and um, getting uh, getting the, the tire model and things that we wanted. Um, so, Will, I'll let you go into what season four was, but we were, season four seemed like the one we were built up to, to anticipating everything at the end of the season. Yeah, so we uh, when we got the season four build, we got some pretty good stuff here. We had the Audi um, RS3. That would be pretty much the touring car people have been asking for since, I think, the dawn of iRacing. We got updates to all three of the Xfinity cars, uh, so that was a very good update there. Um, they did give us the Pro 2 Lite for free, which I think was a, a good addition to transition people to that off-road truck we were just talking. It uh, runs rookies at the rally cross tracks that was a good addition the optimo was updated for free um as far as tracks go we got barcelona which was a big get um it would have been great to see the older iRacing grand prix series pro level guys run there unfortunately that transitioned to the the porsche cup so um they'll probably run there next year in that track so we need to watch that fairberry was a great addition to the dirt oval side i know where those guys are clamoring for tracks um, and then we did get some of those quality of life improvements, including the V7 tires, I believe, on a couple extra cars. I think we got it on the National, um, on the oval side, and a couple other road cars. Um, we did get the beta for the damage model on the Skippy. So the Skippy's kind of the guinea pig car, but it's good to see at least they were rolling some of that stuff out. Um, they did fix some of the track temp um, and the layering of temperatures. I know there was uh, the time where we would wait for the cloud to come over to get your best qualifying lap because the track cooled down almost instantly. And by layering the track temperatures, we were able to kind of get temperature underneath the surface of the track that would radiate upwards. So we get less uh, jumps in those temperatures. And then we obviously got a lot of different spotters, which was great for um, the international crowd. We had French, German, Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish spotters added. And then they kind of adjusted the flagman to look like he was going to break his arm every time he waves a flag. Um, so that was kind of everything we got. And I think the season four build was kind of a buildup of stuff throughout the year. And it seemed like the updates went very content-based to very quality-of-life-based. And I think this one was fairly well balanced out um, in preparation for what we're getting here in 2020. Well, and I think I remember... Everyone, the anticipation was because they announced those NASCAR Xfinity uh, new cars. There was the anticipation, were they going to put the V7 model on them? Weren't they? There was all this, you know, kind of speculation if they were going to get it. Um, and it never ended up coming out with it. Um, so I, I, I believe with this build, it kind of was the build up beforehand thinking we were getting a whole bunch of stuff. And then I think it was kind of a letdown build for, for what people were expecting, which is, you know, when you build yourself, we'll build something up, um, in the forums and things like that, got people start taking it so much or so, so literally that, um, that, that if it doesn't happen, they kind of, you're in trouble. Right. So I believe with this build, um, the, the addition, the nice addition was the V7 tire model on a bunch of other cars just to test it out. But the thing that was probably the most content-based for this whole build was that Skip Barber uh, damage model. That was, that was the, like I said before, it was uh, when we were talking about um, people using a lot of stuff uh, or going in and doing a lot of things, showing a lot of like the night transition and having a lot of rooms open and stuff. 
the amount of test rooms and rooms open for just crashing these cars was ridiculous in in the um uh, uh what do you call it the hosted rooms um and that was probably ev- what did everybody did for that night once they got the downloaded they just take the skip barber and crash it people are anticipating that build or anticipating that damage model we've been talking for it for over a year two years and that's the biggest thing that people were craving for like because they're talking about how it's going to change how um contact is shown on the cars how how uh you can get closer it might get rid of some of the um lag and stuff between the cars and stuff and, and just make sure that or make the the racing a lot better and i think I think that's one of the most crucial things for 2020 is that damage model coming out to help with these builds or to help in the builds and help with the racing. So what in that content there, what uh, do you guys think um, was a great addition to it um, besides having um, the tire model and the, the, the damage model there included? Um, <clears throat> for me, just because I don't really run a lot of the... Uh road stuff like i literally have my rookie in, in road i run one race in in mazdas but um for the tire model initially i absolutely hated it and i stayed away from the the nationals when they put it out um i guess a while ago now and um now it, it's really good because similar to it it helped with real life a little bit because um you can't just go out and go like you can't you know hot tail it off pit road and just go straight up to race pace. You know, you got to warm the tires up and get heat in them. Um, I thought that was really, really good um, that they added that, and uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, albeit, for example, at, at Pocono, uh, those Xfinity tires were like basketballs. But um, I think that's kind of because the, the in real life, um, you got harder tires and you got softer tires. That'll depend on, like, uh, what tracks you go to, like, for example, at Pocono, you'll have a harder tire than you will at, at Atlanta, for example. <clears throat> so um, the the tire model, I think, um, not just getting put on the oval stuff, but in general, um, because iRacing did it to where they, they made sure it was good and waiting until Pro was done to, to put it on the Xfinity car, um, I think they did a great job with that. Yeah, I think like throughout each build, all 2019, people were anticipating or hoping for the new tire. And uh, I think iRacing did it right the whole time. They put it on one car. They found a bunch of bugs, um, some with the car, some with the tire, adjusted it, tweaked it. They rolled it out to the national car, which is a a very popular car. Um, There's no caution, so you're going to see data for a full-length run. Um, I think that was good for them there. And uh, I think they did that tire right. And I think there was a lot of people that don't like it. I think there is still people that don't like it because you can't, go out there and just set hot laps lap after lap after lap you have to be mindful of how warm your tires are how hard you're pushing them how fast you get them up to temp without overdoing it and uh i think in 2020 especially in nis we're going to see a shift in people who are hot lappers are going to struggle and people who are good racers are going to come to the front and if i'm not mistaken even at pocono in the xfinity car you didn't have to pit every five, six laps when there was a caution at the lower splits to get fresh tires. You were almost kind of at a slight advantage having tires up the temp um, if you only had a couple laps on them. I think it's really going to change the way these races play out for the better. And there's obviously going to be people who are going to be unhappy because the tire they liked is gone. But 
and going for realism. I think iRacing's done a good job and they pace it out. I cannot wait to watch pro level drivers run that tire. Um, I know they, Daytona opens up their season, but when they start to get to those other mile and halves and see how the tire interacts with the new aero model and the motor and just gets that whole package together because even watching peak last season, I feel like there was just something a little off compared to what you saw on a Sunday race. And I think this tire might be it to kind of make it so that you can't tell the difference between a Tuesday night race and a Sunday night race. Which is is why that um, that some of these things are, are important to to have added to it. Like, I they could have, iRacing could have gone the wrong way and, and released, they could have released it on all those Xfinity cars. They could have, um, the, the tire model on all those Xfinity cars, they could have, they could have damage model on, I don't know how many cars they have the damage model built for. I mean, it's probably taken them forever. Once they get all the catalog of them built up, it's not going to be a problem because they're going to build it up as the next cars come. But the problem is, is every time they add a car, are they building, they're obviously probably building the crash model with that car while they're building it. So they have it for when they want to release it to all the cars, but anything in their back catalog is a lot to go through and rebuild. Um, but I find that this last one was significant because it was a culmination or a calm. And I, it was the end of the year. It summed up the end of the year really well to finish it off. They couldn't add a huge bunch of things because they still had peak finishing up. They still had, um, the Porsche series and any of the road stuff still finishing up. And I, f- I have a feeling that sometimes hinders them in what they want to accomplish um, with some of these builds. But, you know, that's it, it's good in this aspect because um, maybe it slows them down on trying to do some of these things too. And um, I know some people get restless with a lot of the, the content that comes out and why it takes so long. And, you know, the running joke in iRacing is you know, hashtag soon for all of these things. But if you look at 2019 as a whole for all that content, they did a pretty good job um, getting everything out um, that was needed. Um, I have a feeling, you know, there was, there was certain, um, you know, roadside said that the oval side got a lot of additions. Oval side said the roadside got a lot of additions. I feel that iRacing was very fair on both sides um, and to even do with dirt and things like that, they were as fair as they could be through a whole season's worth of stuff. So for me, 2019 looks with those builds look pretty good um, for iRacing and what we pay our content for. Um, I don't know many pl- uh, other Sims or anything that will update like this. Um, I, I'm pretty appreciative of being able to, pay my membership and and run whenever I want to and, and do this stuff. And, and now that they've added some, we'll get to that 2020 build season one, just to go over some of the stuff to looking into the future, but they're adding a lot more that even more enticing to be able to even be on the sim by yourself too, which we'll get into. And, and I like, I like that aspect of it too, just to sometimes have a night to where if I can't get into an official race, I can do something else. So I, for me, I sum up 2019 in the build wise as the right amount of content and, and the best growth that they could have hoped for for 2019. And, and it worked on all their series. They're all series were all competitive. Um, everything turned out the way it should have been. So, um, what do you guys feel 
the builds that we just talked about there. Do, do, do you see it the same way I do? I feel like there was a good amount of new content, but they're also not neglecting previous content. We'll get a little into that a little bit more in the 2020 build, which is really kind of the, the last build of the 2019 is, as well. But it, there's a lot of going back and fixing things that need fixing as well as bringing out new stuff. Well, we also have to realize, too, that in 2019, just here late at the end of the season, they transitioned into a new office. Uh, they moved their office to a new headquarters. Um, while all well still doing everything, they moved some server stuff around uh, mid-season there. I think it was halfway through the season. They moved some server um, types around, and they had some issues there. But they all did this with minimal problems there was hiccups it's it's compu- computer-based simulation and and online stuff I, I don't expect it to be perfect anybody that does is very unrealistic but i believe that iRacing the reason i gravitate to iRacing the people that run iRacing they, the love of racing and, and doing this is why i believe that it draws people to it and, and they obviously want to put out a, a really good product because of how they care with it you don't get many things that are many video games or sims or anything that would do what they have done over the last mall well, i've been in here for 10 years what they've done 10 or 11 years now so if we carry on probably our biggest build anticipation was um what was rumored to on 2020 build this is looking into the future obviously we have this build already out but what does it set up for for 2020 so i'll go over some of the highlights for this build um so we got both supercars, the Ford uh, supercar and the Holden supercar um, for the Australian uh, supercars. They were uh, with also they rebuilt and redid the Skip Barber Formula 2000, which nobody saw coming, and they redid it anyways. Um, Lernerville Speedway was added for the dirt side. Lime Rock Park was rebuilt, which nobody really expected as well, which is one of the oldest tracks on iRacing, and they redid it, which was beautiful um ai is the biggest thing where they did the soft launch of ai we didn't expect it possibly in this build but it was nice to see that it was added to it um we thought we were going to get it in the oval side but they only brought it out um what's it on the mazda and the um there's a porsche 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 yeah um and then they added the v uh seven tire model to a whole bunch of cars i think it's what 23 cars now that have it Something like that, or 15 cars. I can't remember the exact number. I forgot to write it down here, but it was added to a various amount of cars. They added the damage model to the Delara F7, or F3, sorry. Um, And then they updated some of the incident and penalty for uh, incidents and races so that they give more drive-throughs instead of uh, before disqualifying you. Um, David, your favorite probably... from what I gather is your favorite thing was the custom spec maps. Um, they updated the crowd and then the beta UI, which is always being updated every time. Um, got it. So this build here, I believe, is is a very good setup for 2020 to start what they're going to be doing. Because I see 2020 as obviously the year of, from what I think is going to happen, is, is going to be the year of the tire model and, and the year of the damage model um, to a lot of cars. What um, and possibly a lot more AI as well, which I'm looking to most is having the the possibility of racing more AI and just testing that way. Um, but what do you guys see 
looking at that build, what 2020 might be? Well, the, um, the penalty thing was actually a really big addition too, especially for road racing. Um, there was, we had the big fiasco with Spa this year with the penalties for uh, this limit being too low and then being too high and no, no, and no middle ground. So it was either you basically get disqualified or you can just rack up a ton of Xs. There were people who lost several licenses of class in the Spa race where there was no incident limit. And it's a stop and go, not a drive through. They have not, they haven't been able to incorporate a drive through yet. But it is a stop and go that you can get after a certain number of cautions, and then they can set DQs after that. Some of the official series are using both type of penalties now. The Daytona 24 that's coming up is going to have no DQ, and it's going to have a stop and go. I believe every after 60 or 50x, and then it'll be every 20x you get a stop and go. Um, and I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, probably tomorrow night, if I don't end up playing a gig, I'm going to host a about an 80 minute race with the sun turned up really fast at the 24 at the at the 24 hour track. Um, and I'm actually going to make the cars invulnerable, but I'm going to have a stop and go every 10x. So that way you can. It'll be a neat way to practice the racing conditions without having to constantly pit if your car picks up damage. But if you're driving like a maniac you're not going to finish as well as somebody who's trying to drive clean. So it definitely opens the options up. I think 2020 is going to be almost like a um, kind of a, a new beginning for iRacing in the way they do content. At least that's kind of what I'm expecting. Um, I think with coming out with the new damage model, um, they've talked about rain coming up. I know it's a ways away, but I think it's time they're looking at these older cars that are still popular, like the supercar like the skip barber and kind of recycle them or phase them out and bring in new rebuilt models i would not be surprised if we had a completely redone knn or arca car by the end of 2020 i think they're really going through their content and figuring out what they got to redo what are they going to archive and how they're going to go forward i personally would love to see them kind of revamp the license system i know the, we used to have just oval and road, and now we have dirt oval and road. But I would love to see a NASCAR oval and a short track oval license and a, an open wheel dirt oval for sprint cars and a, a late model license. And I think there's enough categories in iRacing that they could branch those apart. Um, I don't expect it. I would love to see it. But I just really think 2020, they're going to go through everything and clean up and update and kind of prepare it for all these new features. I feel like it's going to, by the end of 2020, we're going to be looking at a lot of archived content because they've updated it in preparation for rain damage and um, multiple compounds of tires on roadside. That's really what I expect coming into 2020. Yeah, I can agree with that, Will, that I think next year it's going to be not only the tire model and, and being a, a, a big focus on that, but also the damage model, because I would think that, um, especially with having it on the, I believe it's on the Audi, I'm not sure, um, <clears throat> but I think um, especially um, with the, the NASCAR stuff really take getting some, some lead way uh, with Pro and um, the 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 eyes and attention that that's getting, I, I definitely think that the the damage model will um, eventually make its debut, um, like the iRacing has done with the with the tire model, and 
um, a bunch of data night transitions and although I haven't really been around to see a lot of the wholesale changes that have been made um, I, I definitely think that um, this will be like instituted and eventually just put out the right way now the other thing obviously with you saying there um, well they have yet to very um, to uh, we haven't got into a lot of details on all these upcoming series for <clears throat> the sponsorships for some of the city, the payouts and things like that. It's like 20, 2020, they're waiting for it to change over into it where they start announcing it all because obviously we're, what, a month and a bit away from NIS season and um, obviously the pro season's got to start up soon. Um, now that the actual pro series is set, um, you got the Porsche. Is the Porsche or Cup still coming back? Is there... Um, is there going to be any other series? Is there dirt series? None of that seems like there's a lot of announcements that have been made yet that we're still waiting on and and how that's going to shape 2020 as well. Well, I think I've kind of been semi-critical on the podcast in the past about the way iRacing announces this kind of stuff. Um, kind of like a few weeks ago we talked about they announced the All-Star Race like four days before the actual race. And I think they finally have a good foothold on the NASCAR side of stuff. I anticipate we hear some new stuff um, going into the new year. I know it's still holiday time. I, I bet you by the middle of January, we'll know who the title sponsor is. We'll know where all the drivers are going to run. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting to see who gets announced to race with who as far as the contracts and the way that's going to work in 2020. Um, as far as the road side of things, we got the Porsche Cup. They have confirmed it. Now, they've also mentioned there is other news. Um, they mentioned it on their podcast that it said the news was delayed and they should have it sometime soon. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some kind of team structure similar to the eNASCAR series on the Porsche side. And when it comes to the dirt stuff, I still think they're trying to get their uh, get their bearings on that because I don't think they have the same support from World of Outlaw or USAC that they got from NASCAR and Porsche and I think they're still trying to figure out the most profitable way to run those series and the way it makes most sense. Um, but I really hope in 2020 we start to get more news from iRacing sooner to prepare and build this up. Like I feel iRacing could be promoting the Road to Pro series right now, um, and they should already have the schedule out personally. Now, uh, they're still working on that, and they're waiting for stuff to line up with the eNASCAR series. But I just would like to see a little bit more focus there um, going forward so we do know what's going on, what's upcoming, and uh, there's less surprises. Because I think there's probably a lot of people who watched the Peak Series on NBC and watched that finale and thought, wow, I could do that. I would love to do that. And then get into iRacing and have no clue how the license system works and what's going on there. And um, I think that's something they could work on and kind of what I hope to see and anticipate in the future so with 2020 right around the corner um we're going to be looking obviously um i haven't been racing much to start off all this stuff that we've you know these buildings for because the off season's kind of i focus a lot of racing on the um nis and and i i, I wait for my my season starts ramping up racing wise is when we do a 24-hour race and then i start getting ready to get racing but i haven't had a chance to really race much here um do you find um, that all these 
the, the things that have been added where the people have been working on the tire model and um, the damage model and, and just the racing over these last weeks between the, you know, week 13 and um, coming into the new year. Um, how do you be- feel about the, the off season has gone for the racing wise? I haven't really been paying. I've been taking a break definitely from the A car other than running a little bit of the, the winter series that we, that we had going, but it's a fixed setup that, that I haven't, you know, I've been doing just the one practice for, uh, I'm still running the, the road course just cause that's, uh, I like that's to keep, usually what you're keep, usually doing. That's what I do except for the, you know, except for NIS and, um, uh, you know, I've I've had some good runs already there. I definitely had it. I've you mentioned it earlier. I had a I've had a blast so far with the new spec map system. I've done a lot of paints. Um, I think though the biggest thing I'm noticing, even in just in our podcast compared compared to the last last year when we did a similar special, so we all seem to have a more upbeat tone and are just really excited about all the things to come. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to 2020 because I just want to see. I feel like. The thing that's going to 2020 is kind of like a, for a lot of series, they, they, they're staying the same. Um, obviously, 2021 for NASCAR is going to be a huge shakeup. And, and um, I'm interested to see even how they handle the NIS uh, this year with Poconos being a back to back race on the same weekend, um, how they're going to run that. And then it has two weeks off afterwards um, and just how some of the schedule changes, because we have a couple races in different spots next year. Um, we're finishing at Phoenix. Um, we got Homestead earlier in the race. Uh, Daytona is the last race to, uh, before the cutoff. There's a lot of different changes schedule-wise for our NIS side. Um, and then, then 2021, they blow up the schedule. They blow up, they're changing the car. Like there's a lot of things that going into the late or the end of next year that content wise are going to have to change possibly for iRacing, uh, to get ready for the 2021 um, the same goes with, you know, I don't know, iRacing is a little bit, not very much on the F1 content. So F1 changes don't really mean a lot of things. I mean, they use a lot of F1 track, they, you know, start scanning a lot of F1 tracks, but they don't have an F1 content that's used a lot in it, but, uh, that's going to have a huge change in motorsports. Um, I just, I'm looking forward to 2020 and just getting back to racing and doing that stuff. Um, but to wrap up all this uh, with the build, I, I, I really like where iRacing is going with all this. Um, they're not scared to just roll things out a little bit at a time and, and, and dip their foot in, into the water and, instead of throw, you know, diving straight in. Um, and I really appreciate that you know, they'll take the criticism and, uh, and, and they, won't, they won't back down from it. They'll, um, they'll, they'll do what they got to uh, do to make sure that the content's there, but it also is, is working properly. So, David, I know um, you want to talk about uh, a hosted uh, race that's coming up here. Uh, so you want to do that. And then we're going to get into, I'm just going to go over uh, how we finished up uh, our NIS, NIS with our teammates. And then we'll probably go into final thoughts for this because pretty long episode we got going here. Well, um, Ann Rabbits was a guest recently, uh, our first female guest, remember? She has the Snail Racing Channel, and most of us are keeping in touch with her. She uh, watching all of her videos, and she definitely stays in touch with us, uh, talking about how things are going. Well, she dropped a, one of her most video, recent videos, and I believe it was Tony that actually caught it before I even had a chance to, to view it. Uh, she's hosting a race coming up here 
Monday at uh, 2100 UK time. And it's basically going to be a fun get-to for for the fans over the past few months. And she's had everybody going on her Facebook page posting if they want to take part. They're voting on the track. They're going to do either Road Atlanta or Lime Rock. Um, I think me and Greg are going to give it a shot, even though the Skip Barber is the worst car for me ever. I, I It just... I don't understand how to drive it. I can get around in a Ferrari fine, but that thing doesn't work for me but i'm gonna get out there just to just for the entertainment so check it out if uh, enough interest pops up she's might even look at having it streamed and broadcast okay thanks david um i look forward to um probably racing that and uh enjoying some time out there she's uh she's doing a great job with her youtube channel and and showing the aspect of you know starting from scratch and iRacing and, and and working your way up she's done her videos are very uh you know, we all can relate to her videos, so we appreciate and, that, Anne. And you just mentioned, um, we, or Will was just talking about somebody coming in new and really not having having a clue. Uh, those videos are something that would be a really good place for them to go and see somebody else go through it. And we've already watched her basically learn. And one of the most recent things she's done is, is learn basically D-class race survival. Um, and, you know... Uh, new racers need to see that. Yeah, she she does a good job. I, I hope she keeps doing it for um, as she keeps going here. She's been uh, she's been doing a great job, uh, great videos. Uh, the production value is you know getting going up each time she does it or they do them, and uh, she's got a good team behind her. So um, keep it up, Anne. Um, so what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna go through our NIS results here. Um, for the season, not all of our teammates in the team ran NIS to a full season. Some of these guys on the team ran a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call it? A lot of, uh, hosted racing and, and league racing. Um, but I'll go through the majority of the ones that have logged in a decent amount of starts, um, on the team and, and where they've kind of ranked and, and how they're going. I, I feel like, um, as a team, it looks like, there's a lot of ups and downs, but some guys did really good in this season, and and it's good to get it out there and talk about it. So, the first one on our list uh, was uh, Tony Groves. Um, he 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 didn't get very many starts. He started 18 races in the NIS Open this season, but he also races a lot in the OBRL um, Racing League. So I know he doesn't start a lot of races. Um, plus, he has a, a lot of time away from here. Um, but he had uh, one pole, zero wins, zero top fives, led a lap, and uh, he was in Division Four, um, and he finished 83rd in Division Four in his spots. Um, he had uh, average uh, instance per race of 7.8, and um, this is one thing I was looking at for everybody. You know, start of the uh, season, their I rating, start of 20, as I did at start of 20, um, 2019 to currently right now, what their I rating is. So. Um, he went, he lost I rating over the season, but he didn't race a lot. So I can see that that happening. Um, he went from 1,475 down to a 1047. So it was good to, I know Tony had a frustrating season racing wise, but, uh, you know, I, I think he really still enjoys the sim. I know he enjoys his league that he races in. So, um, I'm ho hoping he races a little bit more next season. Uh, but uh, I know work is a tough thing for him. Uh, Bobby Jonas didn't race very much with us uh, this season. 
Rizzi a lot of time. He only had 16 starts in the NAS. Uh, zero poles, one win, three top fives. Led 130 uh, laps. He was in Division Four, and he finished 70th uh, spot there with a average incident of 8.5 race. Um, and his I rating basically went from a 1500 to a 1570 over a full year span. So he had a little bit of growth there, but he also didn't have very many starts. So I can see how that happened. Uh, Chris J. Scales um, had 38 starts in the NIS, so he he probably I think he fin- he raced the actual most of the season enough to get 30 credited starts, but uh, he had uh, zero poles, two wins, two top or five top fives, uh, 72 laps led. Uh, he was in Division Three. He finished 33rd in Division Three, and he had an average incident of 5.3 a race, which was pretty good. Um, I know Chris is pretty clean and prides himself on that, and he went from an I rating of 1,600 to 2,323, which it is now. Um, so Chris has done a very good job there um, in the keeping it clean and getting some I rating built up over the last year. Uh, David, uh, you probably had uh, your most, uh, your best season, I think you feel like is probably your best season, right? Well, definitely, especially jumping out of the fixed and running open all year. And, uh, yeah, I started a lot, but I broke a lot of uh, milestones as well. Two wins, uh, two poles, five, uh, 14 top fives. So I wasn't just, you know, riding around the back. In fact, I led a lot of laps, 205. I was always running towards the front. Some of the races would get uh, – it would become a matter of whether I got caught up in other people's stuff or not. Um, I had another race where I got bumped out of the lead, so it should have been three wins. Did have a lot of incidents per race. Uh, that's because I'm always right there pushing pushing towards the front. I, I don't always qualify great, but I, I move as far forward as the car will let me go. Um, and I definitely finished very far up in Division Two, So it felt great being up in the upper splits and finishing... Um, you know, high in those upper splits, and I jumped from a 2,500 I rating to to 3,000. And I'd been a little higher, but it seems to be kind of that's kind of where I stabilize based because as I get into the top split, it gets a little harder to run towards the front. Well, and I think me and you had that all season because you know you had 99 starts, which is the most on the team, um, and we would bounce between split one and split two a lot like we'd be right you know we could barely hang on split one i rating wise and we'd always be in the top of split two and you know if it was a a very a big participation it would be split three but most of the time we were in split two for a lot of our racing um for it so for me i'm the next one i had only 66 starts so i averaged probably about two starts a week which is what i you know got most of the year I had four uh, four poles, three wins, ten top fives. Um, I led 381 laps. Um, I had an average incidence of 7.4 a race. Um, I was in Division Two uh, with David there, and I finished uh, 28th in that. Um, and my I rating started I rating started at 2600 the start of the season, and I moved to a 2942 where it is now. And I'm pretty happy with that season. It uh, you know would I have liked to start more and race more? Yeah, but you know, it was what it was, and I had my most wins in an NAS season, and David said he had uh, a win that uh, he should have gotten there. Well, then I'd have one less win, so because I was the one that capitalized on his uh, his wreck from out, out of the lead on one of those wins. But, 
Yeah, so for me, that season was probably the best NIS season I've had. Um, Joe Owen, uh, he came, he was off and on all season, pretty much uh, working a lot. Um, he started 20 races. He had zero poles, one win, five t- or three top fives, and uh, led 66 laps. He had an average age of 8.1 a race. Uh, he was in Division Two with us. He finished 99th. But uh, the thing with Joe was, is he got a whole bunch of new hardware and uh, and coming back after being off for I think most of the year, beginning of the year and last year, he decided to drop his I rating just so he would get back into racing and not be in the top split because he started the season at 3,300 and dropped it down to a 1,753 just to you know build himself back up and get used to racing again. Um, so he did a good job there, but he had dropped it down to 1500. So he was able to drop, pull himself up a little bit. Um, I feel that the person that had the most energy when it comes to racing the NIS series this season was Mike Ellis. Um, he, he started 68 races. He had a pole. He had his most wins of four in the season, um, in the NIS open. Um, he had 12 top fives. Um, that lap sled is wrong. Uh, it was sorry, 630 laps led. Um, his incidents per race is 8.8, and uh, he was in the same division as David and I, Division Two, finished 19th in points. And then his I rating only went from a 2800 to a 2806. Um, but uh, the thing with Mike, he uh, he was very. He said this was his best season, and he also bounced around from top split to second split with us. So. Um, it was a good race season for him. I'm sure he'd be here to talk about it if he was uh, able to get here tonight. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, Raj, uh, it comes to my attention that you've got to head out for it. So do you want to give us your final thoughts before you head out? Uh, nothing really. I'm really excited for not only what me, but <clears throat> uh, what you guys will do and what this podcast will do in 2020, um, along with what Iris and will do next year. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I've been listening to this for a little bit, and uh, you guys do great work. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, you're you're welcome anytime. Um, you know, maybe in the new year, in the new year, uh, when things get going there, we'll uh, we'll have you back on the show. Sounds good. All right. Well, you take care and uh, good luck in everything that uh, comes for you in 2020. Appreciate it. See you guys later. Uh, so we're gonna go. Nick uh, Williams, our newest member of. User disconnected from your channel. Um, he had 18 starts in it. He, I know most of the season, Nick. Uh, do you want to talk about it? That's fine with me. Do whatever you want. I mean, I did run mostly fixed. It was probably what you were getting at That's what until I, was I got with at. you guys. So most so. of your 18 starts were later on in the season um, in the NIS Open. We didn't put fixed stuff here but because uh, I think Mike Ellis was the only one that focused on fixed for the most of the season. Um so you had 18 starts, zero poles, zero wins, two top fives, led 80 laps. You had an 8.1 incidents per race. Uh, you were in Division Two, same as most of us, um, and you had ni- you were 95th in that. Your I rating went from this is the biggest growth on the team, but you went from 1500 to start when you started in uh, when did you start March? I believe it was March 30th. Yep. So from March to now, you're down. You're up to 31.36. So that's a that's an awesome growth there in uh, I rating. Um, now, the one that is the hardest to gauge everything at was Tony Rochette this season because his internet left let him down more times than anything, <laughs> any but any times it should. Um, Dave or Tony finished in, uh, had 74 starts. Probably had 74 of those races 
um, were disconnected at some point too as well because of poor internet connection. Uh, two poles, one win, eight top fives, and he led 96 laps. Um, he had an average, average incident of 5.8 a race. Uh, he was in Division 5, and he finished fourth there. Um, he started at 1,600 I rating and went down to, or and was up to about a 1,617. But I feel that Tony, Tony's internet, uh, he could have had a lot better season I rating wise and finish wise if his internet didn't let him down because he was probably one of the he was a more, very consistent racer. He just was let down by his uh, internet. Um, Will I? I put yours on here. You didn't really race much uh, in the 2019 season for the NAS because uh, of, you know, not being around a lot. Um, do you want to go into what your 2019 season was like? Yeah, I didn't do a whole lot on the NIS front, and uh, I need to kind of get over. I don't want to say it's an anxiety running NIS. I just feel like some of those races, it's so easy for stuff to go wrong and so much that can happen. Um, I honestly don't even remember doing the third star. I remember doing one star at Sonoma. Um, it's a track I'm very fond of. Got my first ever pole and led my first NIS lap there. Um, very fun, very competitive race. I think I finished that one third or fourth. Um, but that was a great race. And I had another race in Michigan. Got up front, led some laps. So you guys put together a phenomenal setup. And uh, one of those NIS things, um, people were just kind of being stupid at the end of the race and Two cars wrecked down low and washed up the track, and I had nowhere to go. Um, and there's just, I get a lot of frustration in that. I feel like I would rather finish second than wreck. You know what I'm saying? And some of those people, I think they only look at the win column, and that's all they think about, and would rather, if they're not going to win, why even finish? And uh, I need to kind of get over that to try to get some more starts in. As a whole, I actually did the math. I did a total of 44 races last year on iRacing. Most of those come in um, road and dirt road, actually. Uh, picked up a few wins there, and uh, all in all, it was good. Um, really looking forward to kind of getting over that um, anxiety in NIS and just put my eye racing out there. I know I could run good. It's just uh, got to be smart and finish the races, and if stuff goes wrong, well, it's just a sim. It's just it's I'm here, supposed to be here to have fun and not stress over eye rating stuff of that nature, so that's kind of one of my goals going into 2020. Um, so there's not too many starts on here. And, uh, in fact, I just lost about 60 I rating the other day, wrecking out and a C fixed at Indy. So kind of wish you would have took these numbers down the day or two before. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, it, it's funny that you say that though, about, about the, the, the mindset, you know, we know a lot of people and I, I you know, one comes to, to, you know, right to my head about, you know, he would rather, have his win column have a lot more numbers in it than, you know, a consistency column. And if more people had consistent finishes, I think the racing would be a lot more enjoyable. Um, but you got those, a lot of people out there that just, you know, they want to bring back the steering wheel, not the car. Sometimes, you know, you bring back the steering wheel or the checkered flag, but you can't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't fund it in my mind. It, you know, it, you can have as many wins as you want. If you're not, if you're only winning and then finishing 30th, what's the point? And uh, that's one thing I'm going to say is I really am enjoying the way the iRacing championship system works between divisions and the strength of field and the points that are given out. And the stat I'm going to focus on most next year is uh, average points per race. Um, I mean, you could win a bottom split race or finish mid-pack in a top split, and you're going to get more points in mid-pack of the top split. And I think that's the number I'm going to focus on next year is 
just having good solid finishes, learning my pace where I belong on the track and not trying to go for too much um, and just having smart races and really pushing up that stat because average points per race is a big indicator of how well you run and how competitive are the people around you. Um, I think more so than I rating or number of wins. And having the consistent finishes, even if you're not winning every race, but, you know, racking up lots of top spins and top fives and getting that higher I rating, uh, it sets you up to score more points. And it also means you're running with a tougher competition. Um, so, you know, the question is, do you want to be winning in fifth split or do you want to be winning and wrecking in fifth split or do you want to be um, getting close to winning and, and getting that one win in, in the second split? I would, which one holds more value? I would rather lose to somebody better than me and try to learn from that than just to go out there and beat up on a bunch of people that I'm quicker than. Um, I think Fixed is probably going to be the series I focus on most next year. Um, I'll definitely be willing to help and give advice on setups and what I feel. But I think Fixed is where I need to be right now just to focus on my race craft and not worry about if it's the car and is it really me and what can I do different to adapt in those situations? Well, and that leads us into um, our final thoughts of, of what 2019 is. What, what is your goal for 2020? Uh, we'll go through the, each one of us and, and, and uh, your final thought for 2019 and, and the show. Um, so David, why don't you start us off with your final thought for 2019 um, your goal for 2020 is going to be and, and just how you feel here. Well, I don't really want to beat a dead horse, but I definitely want to make sure that I'm consistently finishing high, uh, you know, and continue to improve. I'm down 44, so you learn things slower at 44 than you do at 22. But I def- definitely one of the joys of life is trying to improve at things and, and get better. But I also want to stay in a place where I understand that I'm doing this because I want to want to have fun. This is a hobby. Um and I definitely want to stay out of the penalty box, right? So, if it's something that sh- we'll keep that, you out of there. <laughs> if it's something that shouldn't be said in front, if it's something that I, I, I actually one of our old teammates gave me this really good advice. He, he said, um, "You really shouldn't say it in front, say it online unless you're willing to say it in in front of the person." And so I'm try, I'm going to try to follow that that approach. Yeah, there's. There's a lot of keyboard and mic heroes. It's really easy to criticize before, you know, getting all the data. And I believe if everybody relaxed and and just treated it as a hobby, you know, there are some people that are going to be competitive on here, and you know, they are racing for something. I get that it's that, but there's 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 only a select people that are racing for something. The rest of it's a hobby. And and the time where I couldn't talk, one of the biggest things that I did learn is there was a couple times where I probably would have cussed the guy out. And then I, when I did get to go ahead and go look at it, it was a, either my fault or a more neutral situation. So I've, I've, you know, you, you got to realize, and I'm guilty, but take a look at it later before, and you'll, you'll never, you, you're always going to see it a little bit differently once you're not pissed off. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing to 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 just slow down what's going on and look at it. You know, look at it from a different perspective. Don't just jump on right away. Um, okay, Nick, you know, you're newest to the team, and um, I'm sure 2020 is going to be, you're looking forward to racing a lot more with us in 2020. What, uh, 
what's your goals for 2020? How do you feel like your 2019 ended off? And uh, what are your thoughts? Well, goals for 2020 are definitely to uh, just be as consistent as I can and, you know, provide Tifosi Racing with some with some good racing. You know, I, I want to be um, a driver you guys can count on. I want to get some good starts and, you know, I, I want people to realize that this team, you know, is competitive even though it doesn't need to be competitive. You know, we're, we're doing this for a hobby and it's fun, but we're smart. You know, everybody on this team's taught me something already and, and showed me a new perspective on this. And so 2020, I want to be able to showcase that for us. And uh, in terms of 2019 and, and the chunk of time I've been on here, um, it's been everything I've wanted it to be. Looking back, I've, I've had some huge breaks getting on this team and whatnot. There's been, you know, stuff that, it's just asking questions and networking. You know, it's been the biggest year of my life in terms of my racing career, both, you know, virtually and in real life. I've gotten a lot of breaks that probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't network with the right people. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, on, a, on a side goal, I definitely want to hear all year on, uh, on how well everything you pick up here transfers to real life racing for you specifically. Well, then I'll... I should throw up my racing page on one of the links on the script or something, but I, I document most of my sim racing, including an IS in the podcast, and I will have all my real racing on there as well this year. I've got a ton of stuff I'm ready to do for 2020, and it's all thanks to the stuff I've learned in 2019. Well, we look forward to that, uh, and uh, yeah, you can definitely add it to our links here. I'm sure some people would be interested to follow us uh, with our viewer, or listenership here. Um, will? How's, uh, how did you feel about 2019 and what, uh, you know, you elaborate a little bit about your goals for 2020, but if there's anything else, uh, what do you feel? I feel like 2019 was a good learning year. Um, just as far as what I'm capable of personally in and I racing and, uh, 2020, a couple things, uh, one, I want to kind of push my I rating up in a dirt oval. I feel like, um, I definitely have the pace to do it. I just gotta do have more starts and, uh, adapt to learn setups there a little bit better um i've been focusing on my dirt road um that's more for fun but i still like to challenge myself there um i'd like to at least make half a season of nis <laughs> uh, it'd be best if i make it a full season but i gotta make baby steps there and uh just kind of go from there uh personally i need to work on getting a little healthier losing a little weight i know some of those longer nis races can wear me out i did love doing the uh the Coke 600 a couple years ago, but I was dead by the end of it. And uh, I'd like to kind of work on that side of it personally, but uh, I don't think I have goals that are too out of reach, just stuff I just got to focus and put my head down and kind of get to those uh, checkpoints. Those are definitely, you know, they're definitely goals you can hit for 20, uh, 2020 and um, help you, you know, we're all here to help out. And I know, we're very, very chatty in our messenger to um, elaborate on things and, you know, pick other guys up to do stuff. So um, look forward to seeing how 2020 goes for you, Will. Yeah, in fact, I want to do a quick shout out here before I forget. Um, I lost this email in my feed. Um, one of the uh, followers on Instagram, um, I sent him a paint for the late model supporting the podcast and it'll be public soon on trading paints. But uh, 
is a proud listener of iRacers Lounge Late Model, and he sent me some screenshots that look really good. Um, did just get a new cell phone a couple days ago, so I got to work with you guys to get the logins to get back to Instagram so I can post those up. Uh, just want to let you know I didn't forget about you out there. Uh, Jeffro, um, Central PA, uh, very good late model racer, and he, I'm glad he's supporting our logo, and he's doing good with it. Perfect, and that's a great transition because I want to start off with saying uh, I want to thank Mike Ellis um, for letting me host today. Um, I'm not a very good public speaker, so um, being able to host and do this podcast, um, this was always my challenge. Uh, it was public speaking and, and dealing with stuff uh, of this content nature. And I'm very, I can give my opinions, but to, you know, take the reins on something and do it, um, you know, it's a fear I have. And, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's something I can check off the list that I've tried and done, and uh, I'm glad I did it. Um, I'm thankful for all the guys on the team, um, Tony, uh, Chris, you uh, will for working on the script, Mike working on the script. Um, will, you've been doing great on the Instagram. Um, Tony Rochette has been a little bit busy, but he's been doing great on Twitter and doing that. Um, David, I know you've got some stuff cooked up for 2020 for us, uh, music-wise and stuff for the podcast. Um, I'm trying to work on some stuff to get us completely going back live, um, Twitch-wise, um, in the new year. Uh, we're working on that. But uh, just everybody on the team, um, I'm grateful for what we do. Um, Bobby, Bobby paints perf really good paint jobs. David, you've been working on it. Will, you've been doing the same thing. Um, just all our guys... Um, we had a tough patch there. We were able to come out from it, and, and I think we're stronger this year. 2020 is going to be a great year. The new, some new guys on the team um, coming along has been great. Um, my goal for 2020 um, is to just enjoy it. Enjoy. One thing that um, over the years of having having kids and stuff, I enjoy the little things a lot more than I used to, um, and that's why I haven't. I don't race as much, but enjoying with my kids and stuff like that, that's uh, important to me. So that's what I'm going to be. Just enjoy my hobby, my family and things like that. And, and, and just enjoy racing with you guys. I know David and I get to race a lot together uh, in NAS with Mike. Um, and I look forward to being out there and uh, uh, racing on the track. Um, but uh, my my thoughts of 2019 were is... Um, I, I'm really grateful for Mike letting me to finish it off by, you know, checking all this off my list of something that never got to do. Um, I was excited to do it. I know it was a little bit of work to get it doing, but or going, and uh, I, I enjoyed doing it. Um, I hope it didn't screw it up for the guys, um, and I hope you guys enjoy this show. Um, 2019 was a big year, and I think 2020 is just going to be that much bigger. Um, so with that. And have a good tw uh, New Year's, and we'll got we'll see everybody in the new year um, with all the content that we can provide, and uh, have a good New Year's. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.